Welcome. I'm your host, Fran Capo, the Guinness Book of World Records fastest talking woman. But don't worry, I'll be talking slow during this podcast. You're listening to Fran's World, a show about humor, hope, happiness, and fulfilling your dreams. On each podcast, I have a different guest from all over the world who are successful in their fields. Artists, scientists, quantum light healers, millionaires, adventurers, world wrestling champs, fellow world record holders, comedians, directors, TV show hosts, Emmy Award winning producers. You get the point. I love to catch them off guard and ask them questions that you've always wanted to ask and really get inside their minds of what makes them successful so you could apply it to your life. So sit back and enjoy today's Fran's World podcast. Adventure Girl. Great show lined up for you guys, and uh, like uh, like Jim mentioned, I want to welcome you. We're live from Cross County Mall in Yonkers, and Fran's World, a show about happiness, humor, health, and living your dreams. Each month, I introduce you to my circle of unique friends who follow their dreams and have changed people's lives. And on today's show, I have an exciting, two exciting guests here. We're going to meet a man who not only makes people laugh, but has found a way to incorporate that into helping veterans with used suits and if you want to break through the next level meet the man who creates life-changing events but right now I'm going to introduce you to my first guest who I just met not too long ago um, I do comedy shows I produce comedy shows at Terramitas and Peekskill and I was told you gotta use this guy Larry he's great so I was like alright I'm gonna use Larry so let me tell you a little bit about Larry so Larry De Gregorio, I'm Italian, I should be able to pronounce that better. De Gregorio uh, was a police officer and detective from Orange County, New York. He retired in 2010 from police work after 22 years of service. Larry started his comedy career late in life and is taking the scene by a storm. He's a member of the Sons of Thunder Catholics Men Group, and with the group Feed the Hungry once a month, on the streets of Newburgh. Larry is currently involved with Suits for Veterans Comedy Tour. He's partnered with longtime comedian Tom Briscoe in his endeavor. Suits for Veteran Comedy Tour collects suits at comedy shows. The suits collected go to a nonprofit organization, Save a Suit, where they are given directly to the veterans. In a few short months, the tour has collected over 600 suits. But we're going to start, Larry, by I first want to thank you for your service. Um, you know, as a police officer, and I want to say there are so many times I've been driving and see a ski rack behind me and get nervous. I'm like, okay, what is that? Is that a police call? What is that? But um, so how does somebody go from being a police officer to a stand-up comic? It's not easy, I'll tell you. It just happened by chance. I entered a contest for the funniest first responder in Hudson Valley, and it was hosted by a longtime comedian, John Mulrooney. And not only did I win the show, but afterwards John called me and said, uh, you seem like you're a natural. And it's just gone crazy since then. It's, uh, I've been doing shows, and John hooked me up with a couple people, and it's just taken off by storm. And then that's 
two people, that's how I met you. And it just continues to grow and go. Well, you know, it's really cool because I know Joel Marudi and I got my, one of the first big shows I did. I was literally um, 11 months pregnant with my son, Spencer, and I got asked to do the late show. And John Marooney was hosting. Joan Rivers wasn't there at that, you know, at that time. And so I, I'm on the late show and the two of us did a bit where we were actually, um, I called, because as the world's fastest talking woman, I called a, um, a Chinese restaurant and ordered the whole left side of the menu. And the guy happened to say, just out of the blue, he goes, uh, he goes, okay, you're putting an order, make it fast. And we're like, oh, we'll make it fast. And we read the whole thing. John's a great guy. And John's been doing it for so long. So if he noticed that you were great, I mean, then, you know, you kind of got the blessing from one of the big guys out there. So you felt comfortable on stage the first time. Where did you get your material from? It's all stuff I wrote about being, I'm, I'm larger than life. I'm a fat guy. I am. It is what it is. <laughs> I like to eat. So yesterday was great. Thanksgiving Day is a day that the rest of the world gets to eat like I do every day. <laughs> so, so that's fun. And uh, I just talk about being big and being a police officer and being married 24 years and all that goes along with it. And uh, through all that, John's been like a mentor to me and uh, brought me along the way. And through his connections, I met my partner with uh, Suits for Soldiers Comedy tour, uh, Tom Briscoe, another longtime comedian who, uh, you know, the, the constant input from these guys is phenomenal. So, all right, so you use your basic life to, to, you know, go on that. And, you know, this is good because if you do the jokes about you being a bigger guy, so then, uh, you know, you're like, hey, I have to eat. I mean, you know, I'm going to lose my act if I don't eat, right? I got I to gotta eat. So let me ask you something. So now you met Tom. Now, Tom does cruise ships all, all around the wor uh, world, basically. Yeah, Tom, Tom's yeah. been to over 100 countries. He's got a, it's really cool. I was at his house. He's got a pin map in the basement with a pin in every country he's been to, and it's just covered. I look at pin maps like crime statistics, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of pins there. <laughs> Who's buried there? What comic performed there? So now, explain to me how it came about that you were doing stand-up comedy, and from the stand-up comedy, it turned into these uh, Suits for Vets. Save a suit, as you're calling it now, right? We're, we're calling it Suits for Veterans Comedy Tour, and what happened was it was uh, Tom Briscoe's brainchild. Um, Farmers Insurance was running a Suits for Soldiers suit drive yearly, and they were collecting suits, and we figured we'd take it to a next level and go with a comedy tour along with that, and farmers liked the idea, and there's a non-for-profit involved with this, which is Save a Suit, and that's the actual facility that takes the suits in, sizes them, cleans them, makes sure that they're in good condition, and gives them out to veterans, both with job fairs, and just by veterans contacting them, they'll actually send them, ship them a suit. So, okay, so they could be male or female suits, right? Correct. And it could be veterans from any, you know, Army, Navy, Marines. Any uh, branch of any, service. Any branch of service. And so you told me that you were just at an event called Vets Rock, right? And it was a job fair for the veterans at Mohican Sun. And you said that you were able to physically walk the veterans through the process. So just, you know, explain to somebody, because it's more than you just getting the suits and bringing it to them. It's you taking the suits and basically 
offering them a way to like change their lives because some of them, you know, haven't been able to get a job or whatever. So explain what happened during that day. It, it was a great event. We showed up and um, Save a Suit accepted us with open arms. And most of the people like us that were helping out are volunteers from big corporations that really see the value of this. And they send employees over there for the day. And what happens is a veteran signs up prior and they show up with identification and then they meet one of us. And we take them, not by the hand, unless they want to be held by well, the hand. Well, you know, we or you grab them. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> and we bring them to the suit racks. And the suits are all sized. And they pick a suit of their choice. And then they pick a shirt and a belt and shoes if needed. So it's the whole entire suit. They're not just getting a suit. They're getting a shirt, a tie, shoes. I mean, everything. Everything. There was um, two hairstylists there and a makeup person to do female makeup and haircuts if they needed. There were other um, professionals there to do resume work with them, as well as job counseling. And that took up one-third of the room. The other two-thirds of the room was veteran services and over 75 major companies who were there to hire veterans on the spot that day. So to, to back to how we do the suit portion, you take the veteran, they pick a suit. And something I found that was really kind of refreshing, you know, there's little things in life that refresh your, your, right. your thoughts of humanity. You're look, I'm holding two suits. One's an Armani, probably a $2,000 suit, and the other's a Cole store brand, David Taylor, whatever. Both beautiful suits. Not one veteran looked at a label. They looked at what they liked. The two suits in my hand, the gentleman I had, the veteran, he chose the uh, the Cole suit, and it was just crazy. Now, did you try to say to him, listen, go for the other suit? No. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, he picked what he liked, and it's, it's refreshing. They're there to get what they need, not what they want, or maybe, you know, he figured it was more appropriate and I took him through and he picked a shirt and uh, got his little backstory and everyone has a story and some of the stories are heartbreaking and some of them are really uplifting um, one gentleman his, he had a house fire and lost everything he's had suits and but just currently didn't have any and showed up at the event because he could, knew, knew he could get a suit uh, the stories and then the stories of people that donate to us on the other side of this are phenomenal too we had a gentleman show up at a, one of our comedy shows and uh he said he lost family members and just didn't want to give the suits to any organization. He didn't think that would be what they wanted. And when he heard about what we were doing, that they were going directly to veterans, he said they would be proud to give these suits away, and so am I. So it's very refreshing. It's just a, So it, there is, you know, it's interesting because then there's, like, love on both sides. You know what I'm saying? The person that's donating is feeling like, wow, we're donating to somebody that's helped our country, you know, that fought for us. And then on the other side, you're getting somebody who's like, what am I going to do now that I'm out of the service? And, you know, I I need to look right for this job, you know, that I'm going on. Now, you also told us it's not only necessarily for people who are doing jobs. Wasn't there somebody that, um, mom or somebody uh, unfortunately passed away? Yeah, he, he actually came and uh, he said, I, I have a job and I'm doing all right, but I, I just never bought a suit and my mom is really ill. And I don't really have anything to wear when that day comes. And I, as sad as that is, it's, you know, it's kind of nice to know that he could come here. And, and the camaraderie amongst them, you know, because they're all veterans. So while they're sitting waiting to come to us, they're all sharing their war stories, if you want to call them, about what's going on in life. And for them, it's somewhat networking. And it's also kind of therapeutic, I think, to be around people that are in the same position. And they're all there for the same con We're all there for the common cause. And that's what's so nice about it. So, okay, so let me... Let me just get this. So 
what, there's like a waiting area, and then you take one person at a time back to get the suit? Is that how it works? Correct. There's only so much space, so there's probably 12 to 15 veterans at a time. And where does this always take place? In different places? Different venues. This year was Mohegan Sun, because they have the room, and it was great, because after the, after the whole event was over, USO was involved in sponsoring a concert afterwards, and they had um, Eddie Money and um, Joe Walsh. Oh, wow. And so they put a concert on, which was really cool. So they got they got dressed, they got made up, they had their resumes, you know, redone. They got and they were uh, companies there that were willing to hire vets or wanted to hire vets. So then they got interviewed, and then they got entertained. Correct. It was great. One of the gentlemen I had wanted to be a police officer, so the fit with him and I was great. And, you know, we found out I was retired. We talked, you know, cop stories and what have you and what he should do. And there was at least three or four police agencies, both from Connecticut, Pennsylvania, in the area, that were there to hire that day. So he, he left with his suit on and went right over to the table from the uh, police agencies and interviewed and did paperwork right then and there. So it's just not a concept. It's actual reality. It's a living, breathing thing that's happening. So it's phenomenal. So how long? So I, I forgot. I'm sorry. How long have you been doing this? Uh, we've been the, the Suits for Soldiers comedy tour has been. It's only six to eight months. We've really been pushing with it. We've done nine shows in that time. We've collected almost 700 suits at this point. What we do is at the door, anyone that brings a suit, gently new, used, uh, gently worn, newer women's suit, uh, men's or women's suit. They get $10 off admission. So regular show tickets are 25 If you bring a suit, it's 15 And if you want the dinner buffet, which, coming from a big man, it is quite a buffet at Bear Mountain. You get that package with a suit for 65 75 without. And if you leave hungry or not laughing, you have a problem because there's yeah. going to be laughter and food beyond belief. That means either someone messed up your mouth or, or, or you're deaf. Yeah, right. That's it. And you didn't get to hear it. Now, the cool thing, though, is like, let's say, because this show airs, inter, you know, internationally, anybody else can hear it. And let's say someone in California, which is not international necessarily, but so someone said, I want to donate to that, but I, I'm not getting on a plane and flying there. Then they could go to a website and donate the suits there, right? We do have a website currently up. It's suitsforsoldierscomedytour.com. And it's all spelled out, you know, regular suits for soldiers, comedy tour Meaning the four is not the number four, and yeah. it's spelled out F-O-R. That's, that's set up currently. We have a 800 number now, too, for information that anyone wants. They don't actually give 800 anymore. They're all 833. So it's 833-SUIT-VET which is kind of cool that we were able to get that. It translates yeah. to 833-784-8838. So we'll repeat that number again um, at the end of our interview. But the question I have for you, so are they actually physically sending the suits to you? If people want to send them, they can send them. Or we, through our website, there is a link to Save a Suit, which is the non-for-profit organization we deal with. And if they have suits, I'm 90% certain Save a Suit will send them labels to ship if they're outside of our where we're currently doing shows. So they could either send a suit, and can they just do cash donations if they want to do that instead? Sure, cash donations. If they who's gonna say no to cash? Right? That's it. No one yeah. I know. <laughs> no, no, please don't give me money. I really no. No, no, no. I, I, I want... No, no, please. Okay. I'd like a tie and some shoes. Don't give me money. I'm, yeah, right, I'm good exactly. with that. But, you know, but I don't really like that colored tie. You know, well, then here's some money. You go buy the tie you like. But, um, 
So, yeah, so this is great. Now, I'm glad because I'm actually going to be part of this, um, part of the stable, right? That's uh, Correct. You're on uh, You're on the hit list of uh, comedians that make it. Uh, it's all A-list comedians, which is so great. Between Briscoe and Mulrooney, the connections and the people they know, they know everybody in the business. So to get some of the bigger names, you know, the people doing it a long time, like yourself and others, it just happens naturally for them. And when people hear about the concept of not only getting to do what we love, going on stage and being funny and making people laugh and forget their troubles for a little while, but now you're collecting suits for veterans. It, it just doesn't seem like it can lose. Now, I want to tell people, because we are here at the uh, Cross County Mall, we're outside, so to the left I can see the gap. Right in front of me, I see the little red Santa house. So if anybody happens to be wearing a suit and they decide as they're walking by, you know what, this suit I'm wearing, I want to donate it because I'm going to buy something else because it's... Uh, Today's not your average Friday. It's uh, Happy Black Friday. So uh, you can come here, drop off your suit. We'll get it dry cleaned. And then you go to a store and buy something else for yourself. Or go buy a suit and bring it over here. Larry's sitting here. He'll take some suits. Yeah, that's it. It's funny. Fran notices the clothing stores. I noticed the aroma of hot dogs cooking and the restaurants that are all around us. Which is funny because they're nowhere in sight, but he smells them. I mean, I'm literally looking where are the food stores, and he is sniffing them out. Yes. <laughs> I know there's hot dogs just south of me because the, wind, the wind's and, coming that way. And, see, this is, he's like the GPS for food. Okay? He's like, oh, and I know where it is. It's somewhere, It's behind me. He could probably tell me if the hot dog has ketchup or mayonnaise on it. Well, they, not mayonnaise. Who the heck puts mayonnaise? But you know they, what I'm saying. They smelled like grilled Nathans, if you want to yeah. know the truth. <laughs> I, there, there's a problem here. Oh, wow. He really, really, really knows it. But, but this is cool. She explains how the program works. And so now let's just go back to a second for comedy. When you're on stage doing your stand-up, um, do you, uh, if there are veterans in the audience, do you, I mean, on the night that you're doing the shows that are for Save a Suit, do you, are there veterans in the audience and you're acknowledging them or it's just that, you know, you're doing it and then you're sending it to them? It's not necessarily that it's a show for veterans. It's more that people who are coming knowing there's, you know, get to see a comedy show and they're doing something good. That's right. It, it, but it's bo- both are covered. The, one of the shows we did, there was a 93-year-old veteran that had suits and he made his son, who I'm not going to say was older than me, but he was older than me, <laughs> this guy's son, bring him there. And not only did they bring the suits, but they they stayed for the show and had a great time. And we thanked them for their service. I mean, that's what it's all about, um, thanking them and giving back to them. And if we could do it with the suits and with the show, it, it's just a win for everybody. See, see, that's what I love. Now, um, my husband's also, and he's not going to like this, but he never really listens to the entire show, so it's not going to matter. He's a big guy, too. So he's got he's got um, suits that he, uh, we're going to be donating to you. And um, so... My question is, the suits can be any size, right? They, they prefer the, the oddball, really large or really small, because like I said, Save a Suit gives a suit to every veteran. If someone comes in and they do not have the size in stock, they'll go out and actually purchase the suit for them. Oh, they, wow. They have that available. So when they see a, you know, a 58 portly like myself, they're, they're <laughs> mouth, watering at the mouth because they don't have a lot of suits in that size. And so um, it's great. It 
tall if you're the string bean guy, the tall skinny guy with the extra long legs and a 32-inch waist, they'll take yours. And if you're, uh, you know, the number zero like me, a round guy, because round is a shape, and that's the shape I'm in. They'll take my suits, too. So it works out perfect for everyone. Okay, great. So there's no excuse, you know. I'm too big. I'm too small. I'm too tall. I'm too short. Anybody could donate a suit, and then somebody definitely could um, benefit from it. So, all right. So now that we've done that, let's let's go back a little to your, your past here. You were a police officer, and then you became a detective, right? Correct. Uh, 2004, I got promoted to detective, which was the first time I was able to grow a beard as well, which was something I hadn't done. I grew a goatee in, in 2004, and to date, I have never shaved it off. I've, I've trimmed down, but never taken the goatee off. So it was a, a milestone for me as far as that. Nothing to do with comedy or police work, but right, I facial right. hair. Right. You know, the little <laughs> things that mean a lot. Especially now when it's cold. You're like, well, you know what? I love this facial hair. Although I do have to say, and it is radio, although some of you may have seen the streaming that we did um, on Facebook because it is live. Larry has got an open shirt. He's making me cold. I have like five layers of clothes on. I have heat warmers I'm holding in my hands and he's sitting here with flannel on and an open shirt and I'm going, oh yeah, 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 yeah. He smells the food. He's dressed like, you know, we're going to the beach and, and I'm over here like I'm going to Antarctica. But you know, that's the difference between men and women. That's it. I'm always hot though. I, I go swimming. Oh, look at this. I'm always hot. I go no, swimming. Okay. <laughs> hey, I just can't help it. Yeah, right. But I, go, I, I go swimming and I sweat. I really, I'm I'm always warm. I'm just a, a exothermic person. When I get sweating, when it's cold, like this steam comes off my head. It's quite a sight. You're oh. lucky I'm sitting still. Oh my gosh, that I have to see. I need to see steam coming off your head. I don't know why. I just feel that that would be. Uh, I feel that that would be really cool. Okay, so thank you very much, Larry. I think that what you're doing is fantastic. I'm so happy to be a part of it. I can't wait till I'm actually there. And you're doing a great job. Thank you again for your service and this fantastic idea. And again, guys, if you want to donate or if you want to come down, just go to Suits, S-U-I-T-S, for veterans, with an S, Suits for Veterans Comedy Tour, Com. Find out when you can show up there and bring a suit. We'll see you later. We'll be right back after this commercial break. At therealfrancapo.com, or you can go to Facebook and look up Fran Capo, the world's fastest talking woman, and you'll see me there. I am very excited now to introduce you to my next guest. I know him well. I've worked with him a, uh, for a couple of years right now, but, uh, you know, let me ask you people. Well, not that you can answer because it's radio, but answer in your head. You know that there are people who work hard all their lives they, to live the American dream, yet they don't know what they really want or how to get there. They know they want it, but they don't know how to get there. It's like, I see it, but do I swim? Do I take a car? What do I do to get there? Carson Tang is the president of Carson Worldwide. He employs experiential events to create awareness and marketing results for business. What is interesting is he's founded Power Mastery and a hike through life using what he has learned from Carson Worldwide. They are empowerment communities offering opportunities for its guests to discover and navigate a path to the North Star through interactive events, activities, and workshops. I've been there. I know. These are amazing events. So, first, let's start with Carson. Thanks for coming out. Hey, Fran. Great to be here. And 
It's interesting to be here in front of Santa's workshop because this is where magic happens. Exactly. And that's it. Now, that's perfect. Santa Claus comes once a year to make the magic happen, but you do this every day of the year. I try to. Exactly. Now, Carson, to, so people understand this. What is your background and how does someone get to do a fun job like you do? You know, it's pretty interesting. A lot of people wake up in the morning and hit the snooze button. Or they say, oh, i got to go back to work. Or they wait till Friday and it's TGIF. It's like, why do you do that? And it's like, you should live what your passion is. And so many people say they envy what I do. And I said, I just do what I love doing. And you have to have the fortitude and the commitment to live your dream and follow that star. And so this started for me decades ago, even before I was even in college, I decided what I wanted to do in life, and that was to entertain people by producing events, bringing people like yourself and other people together to help other people to find where they're heading and how to get there. So you actually, so did you not have like a job in a supermarket first or a job anywhere? You literally went from like college to doing this? I've worked pretty much most of my life. I started about five or six years old working in a supermarket, helping them uh, stock shelves at night. Wow. I worked at a supermarket, too, so I know the feeling. <laughs> I wasn't five, however. Yeah, but so I know. And the thing is that I love about you, Carson, I got introduced to Carson. I got introduced to you um, through my friend Lisa Wernick. And she was like, Fran, this is guy Carson. He's having, like, this event. It's called Power Mastery. And you should find out, you know, what, what exactly that is. So I called Carson up and I told him, you know, hey, my name is Fran Kappa. I'm the Guinness Book of World Records fastest talking woman. I've written you know, 20 books, blah, blah, blah. We started talking and realized we both love what we do. We both have a passion for life. So I actually became a speaker at Carson's event. The cool thing about your events, Carson, is now I had never heard the term before, but you call them experiential. So explain how that is different than just going and listening to a speaker. So, you know, experiential events I discover is where people are learning by doing. And experiential just basically means that people are learning by getting themselves involved in doing something. Because I could say something to you, you could see something, you could read something, and it goes in one ear out the other, or you could Absolutely. flip pages, pass by your advertisement. So to, so to augment that is we have people go down to an emotional level, which penetrates into the subconscious and has a dialogue with that part of you that that is pretty insular. Like when a salesperson approaches you in a store, it's like, oh no, not them again. So your conscious defenses are up. Subconscious dialogue takes place in which the person feels they could trust this person or they feel that they can help them in some way. And we teach people or bring them into an atmosphere or environment where they can actually learn how to create that part of themselves that uh, speaks to their subconscious and be able to control their life and get to where they want to go. Now, you know, the interesting thing about it is when, and you don't only just have one speaker, you have many speakers, even though the, t the theme may be, you know, business or the theme may be growth, whatever it happens to be. And there's many speakers. I remember one year we were there and uh, Tony Robbins' son was there. And the, the cool thing is what part of the thing that I loved about the experiential experience is that you always had something that created a, a position where people had a breakthrough 
their fear. So one year it was walking on uh, glass. Another time it was eating fire. And I remember it was actually the very first time I was at your event and I was doing a talk called Creativity and Marketing. And then um, at the end of it, we had where you were having teaching people how to eat fire. And I had brought my son. Well, naturally, if you're eating fire, you know, you want a video or a picture of it. So I, I, I did it. And then I had my son do it. And I am not good with technology. So I was like, Spencer, come on, eat the fire. He's like, Mom, I'm already helping you with your book sales. Why do I have to help eat the fire? I go, just eat the fire. So he eats it. And I... I guess I didn't hit the record button. And so I see, he goes, did you get it? And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. You got to do it again. So he had to eat the fire again. <laughs> the second time, the same thing happened. So I was like, I am so sorry. I didn't get you eating the fire again. He grabs the camera away from me. He gives it to Glenn. Your, the, the guy was your partner or helping you out at that time. And then Glenn's like, I'll take the picture. So we have this great picture. And Carson has come to uh, my birthday parties and even at my wedding, he was teaching people. So Carson, where do you come up with the ideas of what is considered a breakthrough? Because I know you do the arrows and explain to people that it's not just about eating the fire. It's not just about, you know, the arrows. Tell why it's symbolic that people do that. The, those exercises are actually metaphors for things that break through in your life. A uh, short story I heard, I read somewhere, which is a true story, was a grandmother was caring for her two children. And uh, I'm paraphrasing this, is uh, one of her grandchildren got pinned under the rear wheel of a car. She didn't know what to do. The lady was in her 60s or 70s. She ran behind the car, picked up the car herself on her own, dragged her kid uh, out from underneath, but she had to hold the car up. So she held the car up with one hand after she picked it up. Uh, summarily, what happened was lots of reporters were trying to get the interview on her on this story of this spectacular event that took place, a miracle, I guess. And basically, she refused all their interview requests. And really? one reporter got to her by knocking on a door and said, I know you're not doing interviews. Can I ask you one question? And she agreed reluctantly, and he asked, why don't you grant interviews? Because what you did was unbelievable. And she said, young man, if, if I were to give you that interview, you know how many people I would hear from the rest of my life, you know, um, talking about this event? And he said, what's wrong with that? Wouldn't you want a lot of people to know about it? And she says, no, not really, because that would mean I would have to be reminded every day of my life what I was not capable of doing what I was not capable of doing? Because she performed a miracle she never thought possible. So before that time, up until that date, uh, she never took charge of her own life and it. took what was needed to get past those hurdles that was her inner uh, voice. You know, uh, people are born with only two fears. That's the fear of loud noises and the fear of um, falling. Other really? Yes. Otherwise, there are no other fears when you're born. So every other fear is a learned fear. A learned fear. So, like, I, I, you know what? I actually experienced that because a friend of mine was so scared of heights. And we were at one of these outdoor events, and um, I was with my son. And I'm, 
you know, whatever. You know me. I bungee cord jump, scuba diving, sharks, do all these crazy things. So it was her and her daughter, me and my son. And there was, at that time, when it was okay, you know, we were riding an elephant. And her friend was, uh, my friend was like, I can't get on that. It's too high. It's too high. I said, well, do you want me to bring, you know, Athena on there? And so Athena got on the elephant and started screaming. I'm like, the elephant hasn't even moved. She goes, but mommy thinks it's scary, so I guess it's bad. I was like, no, it's not bad. What, just because mommy's scared of it doesn't mean you have to be scared of it. And that's why, you know, you're talking about a learned fear. So, but the thing is also, uh, do you believe in a supernatural, like, do you believe in God? I believe there's an entity or uh, uh, something out there right. that and directs so, your destiny. So do you think that woman tapped into her unused potential, or do you think it also was something that, you know, the miracle came through and ha happened? I hate to associate it with an animal, but if you observe animals, yeah. they will live a certain pattern. They're very predictable. Okay. And so there comes a point in their life in which they're cornered, you know, like trapped like a rat or cornered like an animal. Right. And what they will do is do things that you never thought possible, like a very timid creature like a duck or a geese. Uh, they will run from you most of the time, but once they have ducklings or gooselings or geeselings, and <laughs> the you little are, ones, yeah, the and you little are, quackers, exactly, yeah. and you approach them, they will defend them. They will chase you off, right. you know, even not fearing death from a hunter and his gun, whatever the case may be. So there is a threshold or a point in the person's life that becomes the breakthrough point in their own life. And so when we're talking about those things which I create, I look for those opportunities and identify what those fears are in the majority of people who are coming to the events and how we could break through that by creating a metaphor which makes them realize that what they were doing in the past is not serving their needs. And how can we bring that to their attention uh, in a powerful way. So some of the things that people, um, that, that fear causing paralysis is that they fear failure, they fear criticism, they fear embarrassment, they fear commitment. And if you look at all those things, any one of those things, it creates a, a wall or a stumbling limited block, life. a limiting yeah. life, a, li a limiting uh, view of what you can do. So this lady with her grandkids, she was fearful of failure, that she wouldn't be able to do that. She believed that she can do it. That's another thing in fear is the belief system. Right. So, well, that's key because it's almost like what you believe will manifest into your life. If you believe you can't, you can. If you believe you can, you can. So it, it's, it's really up to you to change that belief system. I've actually watched people at your event, like when they were doing the breaking arrows, because people right away, when you hear arrow, they're going, oh my gosh, that arrow's going to go through my neck, and I'll die and I'll be, you know, I'll walk around with an arrow through it. And I've watched people do it and they are, it's like instantly their whole demeanor changes. Like, if I'm able to do this, how hard could a cold call be? If I'm able to do this, how hard could it be for me to go and ask for a raise or whatever happens to me? If I could do this, I can, you know, break through and, and you know, beat my illness. And so I think what happens is you give people those life-changing experiences by proving to them using those things as a metaphor. Now, Carson, um, you not only do these type of events, um, is, by the way, is Power Mastery just in the U.S. or is it all over the world? Power Mastery, we're trying to make uh, internet savvy, so 
we will be creating a community online where people connect with each other and support each other in, for empowerment. And, and so that will cater to mostly Gen Xers and baby boomers who have found a stumbling block in their own lives or walls that they come across. A very good example is how many baby boomers out there don't have the uh, luxury of getting an interview when they're applying for a job that they're eminently qualified for. Right. It's that age factor or whatever the case may be. Uh, if somebody believes they, they're going to ask for too much money, that's an irrational fear because until you ask that question, it's not. And that's the problem with a lot of people. You're going to get nothing if you don't ask. That's correct. And, and so we're looking for building opportunities to create that network for people to grow, to support each other, but also find ways to empower themselves and break through. So how through Power Mastery, that is. Uh, how often do you have the events? The events we have, uh, well, I've cr I created an experiential event, which happens almost every week or every other week, which is a hike through life which is the outdoor segment of what we do for Power Mastery. So it's all connected. Yes. Right. So you so you have like the big major events, like the Power Mastery where all the speakers are, but almost every week. And I get the newsletter. If somebody wanted to find out, by the way, how would they join to find out where you have these events? So there are two sites, uh, one for Power Mastery, which is simply powermastery.com, which does the empowerment type uh events, workshops, and retreats, and then there's a hike through life, which does the outdoor adventure, and we go anywhere from China, Europe, Alaska, to break, use metaphors of the outdoors to help people break through their limiting belief systems and get them into a regimented habit of being committed to life and bringing their life to the next level. So, I mean, I know I've gone on a couple of hikes with you, and usually, you know, it's it's not a, it's not an unmanageable group, so don't think you're going to be, it's like 50 people and you'll be walking. So it's like 20, 30. You keep it to a good size so people can be intimate. And people are also networking as they're walking and hiking and then they form, you know, friendships and stuff like that. Um, so where is your next event, actually? Uh, where's your next hike for through life? Uh, I just wanted to add, it's interesting the people that show up on these hikes is because I've had mayors show up on the hike, I've had airline pilots, I've had doctors, I've had scholarly PhDs. Uh, it runs the gambit. And I even had people who are in, involved in sanitation and construction. Really? But all the duck conversations that occur on these hikes are very, uh, very deep and they're very meaningful, and people find ways of helping each other. And I have people going back 7, 10, 15 years who are still in touch with each other, having met on my hikes or outings, and uh, you still see them using photographs from those events back at, from Power Mastery and a Hike Through Life. And as a matter of fact, just recently, we had two people who met each other, each other on my hike who didn't know each other beforehand, and now they're in a relationship together. Oh, wow, that is so cool. Carson also runs Match.com, though. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, you know why? Because to me, that's, it's, it's much better to meet someone in an outdoor event like that because you already know you have something in common than to walk into a bar, which sounds like I'm about to tell a joke, you know, two good people walk into a bar. But you know what I'm saying? Then to walk into a bar, you, you've got these people who, now are a lot of the people now, the one thing I want to say is not all of them have to be expert hikers. You know, you rate like, you know, okay, so this hike is, you know, easy, it's, you know, a little challenging, it's very difficult. You rate it so people of all shapes and sizes can do it. Is there an age limit? 
Well, we hike year-round, and it gets increasingly more challenging as the year progresses as we move into the summer months. In uh, the this, summer, it's more challenging than the winter? Well, well, the hikes are more challenging. Oh, okay. Uh, because we're able to stay out longer because we have more daylight, so we do more mileage. Huh. And it's safer to hike uh, when they, there's no ice patches. Yeah, you would or, think. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so we do more, and we, we challenge ourselves more. Because those hikes also, like Paramastery, are become metaphors for life. It's a, I'll give you a good example. People who go on these hikes have to get up early because there is no hiking in New York City unless you consider Central Park and Inwood right. Park hiking. Or climbing up an escalator that's not working, which is not really much of a Yeah, hike. so yeah. you have to get up pretty early, which means you have to commit to getting up early. Right. There's so many people that I see roll out of bed. They, they sign up to go hiking with us, and they say, uh, hit the snooze button, go back to sleep, or don't show up. Really? And, and that's a lesson to be learned in life, is can you commit to keeping to a schedule for yourself and for your life? And what does that send to a, a employer or your spouse or your partner or other people around you if you can't keep your promises and your commitments? To yourself. Right, exactly. Because you're the one who signed up. Nobody, you know, had you at gunpoint saying, hey, you gotta, you know, you gotta go hiking. Right. You know, and if you're like, I thought this would be really good, uh, but I want to sleep instead, you find a lot times if you just push yourself a little bit past that like i just i a lot of times i'll talk to myself i'll go shut up capo just get over there get dressed get out there and do it and if you keep like if you don't want to do something talk your way through it you know and then the next thing you know what you're at the vet now is there transportation if people are coming from manhattan or something or do everybody just get to the location but on their own so one unique interesting thing about what we do is we try to coordinate rides for passengers and we ask for a contribution to the whoever the driver is to help That's cover great. their costs and expenses and uh, because we try not to coordinate it with when public transportation arrives in those similar areas just because the hike locations get so crowded right. when those public transportation arrives. But we go all over. I mean, we travel, most of our local hikes are within an hour and a half of New York City. Uh-huh. And then our away hikes, obviously, we don't drive to usually unless we go to like Arcadia, Bar Harbor, Maine, or uh, Niagara Falls, Canada. We've been to all those right. places. Um, but we do go out to, out west, we go to Yosemite, China, I said Alaska. You know, um, Kodiak Island, the the Canadian Rockies. I mean, it's awesome. You you wouldn't even think like, wow, we're doing basically you're hiking all around the world, and yeah. you're doing the breakthroughs all around the world. Now, um, do you, you tell people the gear they need? You know, if they're going on the hikes, like, okay, we're going to be here. This is what you're going to need: a good pair of you know wool socks, hiking shoes. Um, Right, so is there a list of things? So, so they get a checklist, and I look at what the weather is like in those areas and what the terrain is like. Uh, for example, we were hiking in the Canadian Rockies. I remember this distinctly across from the Athabasca Glacier north of uh, Lake Louise. Uh-huh. And in August, it actually snowed. Uh, something wait, what? something we didn't expect, but I was expecting it could do that. So I told people to bring warm layers and, and things just in case we had a phenomenon like that. We don't do we don't do um, backpacking, camping, but we do day hikes. So every day we return to the safety, comfort, and warmth of a hot shower and a ha, warm ha, bed. Ha, ha. See that right there? <laughs> people are going, oh, I don't want to sleep in a tent. Oh, okay, I'm going to get a hot shower and a, and so that could be the motivation to finish the hike. You know, yeah. you get out there at eight o'clock, you're going, but there is a hot shower and a nice bed waiting for me afterwards. So, um, okay, so so you have the hikes now. Carson, you're also trained, right, with survival training. 
So people not only get you, you know, saying, hey, we're taking this path, but you also know first aid and things like that, right? I went through training for wilderness first aid, advanced wilderness first aid. I also took courses in CPR and standard first first aid. And um, I also taught leadership workshops for outdoor leadership as well as map and compass and also been the chair of a 110,000-member organization dedicated to stewardship of the outdoors, hiking and outdoors, and oh. other things. So, okay, so I didn't know that, and you know what? So now I need to know... Uh, I got to take that compass class or whatever it is because I use my GPS and I argue with it. I'm like, no, nah, I don't like that way. Why am I going that way? And, and before there was a GPS, I used to have that internal, you know, GPS that would say, oh, no, no, I, I think I need to make a right here. Now I rely too much on um, on the technology. So the cool thing is that you're bringing people back to nature so that they could learn to rely on their inner self and their, you know, inner tech, you know, their inner GPS. So now if people want to find out, let's get the website one more time. If people want to find out uh, where to go for the hikes. So there, there are three websites, one for my event marketing business, which is CarsonWorldwide.com. And, that, and, okay. then, and, okay. and, and then the empowerment, which is PowerMastery.com. Power Mastery, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. And then there's the one where I do the outdoor adventures and travel. Two. And the website for that is a hikethroughlife.com. A hike. You remember to put the word A. So it's A-H-I-K-E-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-L-I-F-E. A hike through life.com you can find out you can join Carson you can meet him in person Carson it's always a pleasure to have you on I love your events and I'm sure I'll be involved in many more of them coming up yeah we'll look forward to you on another hike and uh, you're listening to Fran's World Carson thanks so much for coming out and uh, you're listening to Fran's World